Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah, because I have him conservative now. So for me, it would. Yeah, because I have him too low now. I'm just kind of hedging my bets with him. Let's kind of shrug. And I'll see what Andy does and then I'll copy it. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Guys, it's May, but we're still here. I'm Liz Loza. That's Dalton Del John. Dalton, like because it's May, I need I need some takes. You know what? I'm going to start because I am in the throes of Little League Playoff Baseball. Even though it's May, like I said, not October. Playoff Baseball is all over my house. You got a lot of Playoff Basketball I know that you're hyped about but um, or emotional about. But I just want to say that last night, which was Tuesday night, we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, my son and the Red Sox beat the Angels to advance to the next round of the Little League Playoffs. I'm very proud. I'm very mm-hmm. tired. Sick. Congratulations. Uh, my daughter's first playoff game is tonight. She's huge yes. underdogs, very much the lower seed. So uh, it actually ha- happens to overlap the Warriors conference finals playoff game. So I may have to stay at home because it's an away game. It's past Mason's bedtime. So I think I'm going to have to, you know, stay home and put the, the sun to bed and, and maybe turn the TV on and watch the Warriors instead. But uh, I'll be rooting for my daughter from 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 the seat of my couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I definitely want you to FaceTime in with your wife and scream, whoop that trick as she yes, rounds the bases. Yes, there you go, Draymond. Yes, for sure. For sure. We'll do. We'll do. <laughs> All right. For real, though, um, we're going to talk about tight ends today. Peach season came early. What can I tell you? But before we do that, if you don't know already, and if you're new to the podcast, I mean, welcome. I appreciate you coming to us in May. That's cool. Very interesting move. Uh, Dalton's a big 49ers guy and obviously a big Warriors guy. So no surprises there. Um, I wanted to discuss that because Seth Walder had some predictive power rankings that got you a little up in your feelings. Triple yeah, I, prom- I promise to make this quick, but ESPN came out with their football power index ratings yesterday and had my 49ers 24th sandwiched between the Lions and Panthers below the Giants and Come on, they're just trolling me here. I mean, they had a 10-point lead in the NFC Championship game in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, I get the quarterback uncertainty here, but this is a little bit silliness here, ranking them 24th. I mean, I wouldn't complain. I'd love to be 24 because the Bears are 32, so uh, yeah, there's that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was getting worked up over these, these rankings <laughs> in the offseason here, but that was just a slap in the face, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say, uh, come on now, what are we doing? I mean, so you mentioned the quarterback uncertainty. I have to imagine that baked into that ranking of 24 there's also the question mark surrounding Debo but 
in terms of the quarterback, I have um, a quote from Peter King that he stated on The Herd, and just going to read it and want your reaction here. Quote, unless somebody gives the 49ers a decent offer, I will not be surprised if they do the same thing this year with one exception. I do think that unless he is simply not ready to play, I do think the starter opening day will be Trey Lance. I'm assuming that you are hopeful for that, yes? Yeah, and I have no problem with uh, the most important position on the field, having some depth there. I mean, maybe Jimmy would absolutely refuse to be a backup, but um, I don't really see that being the case. And Trey Lance has started three football games since 2019, got injured in two of them. You know, he's going to be running a lot. So I see no problem with depth of the position. Uh, it's, I know it was probably not plan A, but the shoulder surgery happened. Yeah. Uh, other teams addressed the position otherwise. So yeah, maybe, uh, maybe San Francisco just goes in with Trey Lance, the starter, and Jimmy G, an expensive backup for one year do you imagine a qbbc scenario at all no he played with it in one game um last year in august but um no expansion did not, of that yeah i did not think. go into the regular season it would be very interesting but um I, I, why shanahan i mean it would be it would definitely be um uh, unique but no i don't see him going that way i think he's installing the offense and there's such different players too so i think he's just going to install an offense and treat treat it like trey lance is going to be the starter from from day one but if jimmy's there for insurance and even if it's just health insurance for for one year and there's a very real possibility that one of these quarterbacks gets hurt in august on a contending team and suddenly there's a need for quarterback and therefore his trade and, and jimmy g proves he's healthy with his shoulder and then the trade market picks up in august it's almost like you're good at looking into the future and prognosticating what might happen. You should think about a career in that. Yeah, all right. We'll we'll see. Not not always not always right. Not always right. They get a lot wrong in this career too. I, let me tell you. Let me. Let me I mean, that's kind of the job. George Kittle, obviously an all-world tight, and he was in the top five for fantasy purposes last year, but he wasn't number one. That spot went to Mark Andrews. Behind him last year was Travis Kelsey. Then Dalton Schultz. We're going to talk about him because. No surprise, there's another Dalton who's quite high on him heading into this year. Then your boy George Kittle, Triple D, was the TE4 overall. Rounding out the top five was Rob Gronkowski. Now, heading into the fall, the rankings are a little bit different. Mark Andrews, you have number four. I have number two. It's a slight difference. Um, I'll tell you right now, the reason I'm a little bit higher on him is because there's continuity. I know that we're all excited for Rashad Bateman's season, but... I need a little bit more prove it. Also, with the defense coming back to health and the defensive moves that the Ravens made over the offseason and the core, uh, the running back room also coming back to health, I think there's going to be more of a return to vintage Ravens ball, which I'm not quite sure will open up as many looks for Bateman as we are anticipating. But again, it's a small difference. Why do you have some other guys um, ahead of Mark Andrews? Right now, I have a, a tier of four players, so Andrews could easily be... I have him fourth, but he, I have no problem if you had him number one. He was number one last year, awesome second half. He's been impressive yards per route run his entire career, so no surprise to see him have success with increased volume. But it was kind of a perfect confluence of events with every single running back on the team getting injured. Um, and Tyler Huntley, a lot of that production came right, as fair, well. But fair. I do expect Lamar Jackson to bounce back as a passer, and now with Hollywood Brown traded, I'm more like ooh, maybe I should have Andrews number one. So, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't argue that. There's a big four for me. Uh, he just did it. Uh, he's in his prime. Um, you, it didn't seem too too fluky. I mean, he's the real deal. So uh, I, I could see it repeating. I, I have no problem. He's in, he's in the tier number one for me.
Well, we both have, and the consensus has Travis Kelsey as the tight end went hard with Tyreek Hill out of the equation, not to assume that that Kelsey maintains the largest volume of the guys that we're discussing right now. Yeah, no Tyreek Hill. Um, I, I would try to get cute and put Pitts number one or whatever, but with no Hill there, I mean, it's just tough. I mean, Kelsey's getting to that age where the, the sudden drop-off could occur. Um, well, that was but, a discussion at the top of last season. Remember, there was uh, lots of pod talk about, oh, has he hit the cliff? Is he on the wrong side? I mean, he's been on the wrong side of 30 for a minute, but is it catching up with him? Yeah, and some film, film watchers suggested that it was, and he wasn't able mm -hmm. to make people miss the same. But um, whatever, the numbers were still there at the end, and all those cover two shells should lead to more underneath stuff from the, you know, the Mahomes throwing to him, and now without Tariq Hill, uh, it's it's tough to 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 fade to fade Kelsey. Very very safe. Uh, Dalton Schultz was the tight end three, as I mentioned last year. Dalton Del Don has him ranked as the tight end three again this season. I'm a little lower on him. I have him tight end eight, but. I know that Dalton is going to serve up one heck of a cogent argument and probably get me to bump him up in my ranks. Go for it, my friend. It's not just the bias uh, Dalton argument. I was in a pod with Andy Barron's like a month ago, and I threatened to move Schultz uh, number one with the offseason movement. Again, he finished number three total fantasy points among tight ends in PPR last year. And now they lost Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson. Uh, Blake Jarwin suffered this career-threatening hip yeah. injury. He's certainly not going to be ready to start the season. Same with Michael Gallup's probably not going to be ready to begin the year. So Schultz is going to get all the targets. Ezekiel Elliott's another year older. Um, I, I just I don't I I think they're going to really target Schultz, especially in the red zone. Um, Dak Prescott doesn't even run as much too. So I I think it's just setting up very very well for Schultz. Yes, he's not athletically as gifted as some of these others, but man, you look at the uh, position he's he's in. Uh, it's only got much better in the offseason, and he was a top three guy last year. And he has the trust there. I mean, the team did add Jalen Tolbert. And, you know, Jalen Tolbert was a player that I studied and discussed with Eric Edholm during the rookie snapshot. There's a lot he can do, but you're mentioning Michael Gallup probably coming off of that injury, probably not being 100% at the start of the season. And Tolbert and Gallup have some of that field stretching overlap in their respective skill sets. So there could be um, like a replacement value to Tolbert versus a, you know, sucking a massive amount of targets. Also, Tolbert's not ever going to be a target hog. That's just not um, the type of player he is. So I'm probably too low on Schultz. I'll admit that one. You're probably right. I think you make a great point about the fact that since he's not one of these, you know, metrics, mavens, giants, spark score, athlete type tight ends, we're all the consensus is maybe not giving him his due, particularly from a, a volume perspective. So I'm gonna move him up, but I, I don't think I can move him up again above this next guy. I have him ranked number four. You have him ranked number six. It's your boy, George Kittle. You are always, though, I have to say, hard on Kittle because of the injuries that he inevitably suffers and the way he guts through them. Though last year, I feel like I had him ranked around three, four. You had him ranked a little bit lower and he came through despite only, you know, uh, despite not making it through the entire season without uh, an injury. It's just a health thing with, with Kittle for me. Um, and well, that's also an uncertainty at the quarterback position. I mean, uh, Lance, uh, he did target his tight ends uh, in, in the red zone in college, but who knows how that's going to translate. Sure. And, uh, and and so that there's a big unknown there. I think it's pretty safe to say the 49ers are going to be very run heavy. And uh, I mean, Debo's still on the team. So there's still, you know, targets for a team that's going to be extremely run heavy. 
and there's still Ayuk uh, and Samuel there and um, a, a bunch of backs. So just Kittle, if he stayed healthy, he could easily finish as a number one fantasy tight end. I just think how they use him. And even when he plays, like, don't even just look at the games played. He suffered this calf injury in week two last year, and it just hindered his ability all season. So it affected his performance. But if Kittle were to magically actually stay close to 100% for a full season, I mean, he would be the, the favorite to finish as a number one fantasy tight end. Right. And everyone likes to bring up too what a great blocker he is and what not just how talented of a blocker, but what an enthusiastic blocker he is. And so there's a willingness on his part to put his hand in the ground, you know, and um, that's not that doesn't help his durability. And it also doesn't help for fantasy purposes because he's not being used as one of these jumbo wide receivers. Yeah, and it makes him more likely to get injured, too. I mean, he, yeah. he does. Yeah, he sacrifices his body. He's You see the replays of him smiling during the pancake blocks. I mean, yeah, he loves it out there. I mean, yeah, he, he really would rather win and, and, and block and, and put up the stats. And obviously, that's not what fantasy managers want to hear. No. Uh, maybe one of the best all-around tight ends, though, who also is an incredible blocker and who definitely has sacrificed his body for the game, Rob Gronkowski rounded out the top five last season at the position for pur- fantasy purposes. This year, he's not technically on a team. You and I both have him ranked around that tight end 15 spot. Like, we're both just kind of waiting for something to happen. It is worth noting that he only played in 12 games last season and yet still managed to catch 55 balls for over 800 yards and score six touchdowns, which again was enough to make him the tight end five. Yeah, we're just hedging our bets here. If he signs with the Bucks uh, today, I'd move him right up to number seven. Uh, yeah, right, right up to number seven. He's uh uh, Chris Godwin may not be back for the first month of the season there. So, uh, yeah, the yeah. setup should be. We talked about that last and... week. I, that, I think, me, do you think maybe, what do you think, just gut check? Not like because you've read all of the uh, Roto Wire and Roto World articles, but like gut check. What do you think Gronkowski does come July, August? He probably runs it back and does another. I mean, why would he not? I mean, he's still young enough. Brady, I, 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 I think he probably will return. Brady is perennially among the league leaders in end zone targets, which is just so nice for his fantasy receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, I, I foresee Gronk probably um getting out of as many practices as possible, eventually signing back with the Bucks, and me bumping him up, you know, ten spots. That is an excellent point. If you're Rob Gronkowski. And I mean, remember that interview he did with Tom Brady, or maybe I think he did it actually on Eckler's Edge. I think he said it to me. Um, that is, if we when we had Rob Gronkowski on Eckler's Edge, um, I asked him about his chemistry with Tom Brady, and he was like, "Oh man, there are still routes that I like mess up. Like he's always yelling at me about something, but like, hey, it works good enough. He knows who I am. I don't study any." I don't, I don't like watch tape. I just ask Tommy what I need to do. And then he tells so me good. when I blow it. I mean, he literally said there are still routes that I miss. And he's been yelling at me for what, you know, over 10 years now. Um, but I think what you said about Rob Gronkowski is like, I know the quarterback. I don't really need to know the system because it's going to, I mean, I know the system, but it's everything I need to do is going to be told to me by my best friend. No one's doubting this connection. And my body does not need to be doing two a days in the heat in Florida in the summer. So I'm going to, I'm on chill for a minute and then hit the, hit the like gridiron when I need to. And very on brand that he does. Of course he doesn't uh, pay too much attention to the playbook. Of course not. No, I uh, love it. Yeah. He doesn't need to, but isn't that like kind of what we all want? Like I would love 
to have that sort of self-confidence and freedom where I'm not like double checking, you know, whether I've crossed all my T's and dotted my I's. Oh, yeah, just sort sure. of like yeah. freedom of Natural confidence. Talent. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, sure. uh, all right. So let's let's move on because we'll talk about the top five tight ends as they are ranked for 2022. I already mentioned that Travis Kelsey is the consensus tight end one. I don't think we need to spend too much time on him. Mark Andrews, we discussed the tight end two. Here's where it gets interesting. Kyle Pitts, who you said you might, you know, if uh, the mood hits you, get a little bit tricky and and rank him number one. But you have him number two. I have him number three. Let's talk about what we're anticipating because we're both high on him in terms of a leap from last year to this year. Before I have your take, I want to throw out some numbers. I did a little bit of research. Last year, obviously, he converted just 68 of 110. Not great. He's a rookie. He was learning. He went, though, for over 1,000 yards. But what killed him from a fantasy point of view was that he only managed to score one touchdown. Now, this year, obviously, you've got Drake London and Brian Edwards. Alert, alert, alert truthers <laughs> we're back in on brian edwards those two receivers have been added brian edwards obviously coming over from the raiders and drake london uh the rookie out of usc for what it's worth pitts averaged six targets per game from week eight through week 18 now remember that was without calvin ridley on the field so without calvin ridley on the field he averaged six targets per game interestingly before calvin ridley was benched he averaged Pitts did 6.8 targets per game. And that was from weeks one through seven, not including week five when Ridley was sidelined. And in that game, when Ridley was sidelined, he managed 10 targets, which was a season high. So I do think it's interesting that with other, we've kind of talked about this with other receivers or with the team's number one, to be clear on the field, Pitts drew more looks when that was removed from the equation. He drew fewer looks because there was more defensive attention surrounding him. And obviously, we know in the red zone, the struggles. So with these new pieces, I'm imagining that maybe the targets, well, I don't know. Do you think the targets are as voluminous or do you think his efficiency, because he's not pulling all the defensive attention, becomes lesser, which will then make his stat line greater. So I was a fool drafting a rookie tight end, Kyle Pitts, in the fourth round of Fantasy Leagues last year. He was definitely a bust there. Uh, I mean, he provided on a points-per-game basis in PPR leagues. You know, he's in between Zach Ertz and Hunter Henry. So, I mean, he clearly did not provide fantasy value for where he was going. Having said that, as a rookie tight end, there's only six total tight ends that have averaged two yards per route run since the start of 2020. They are Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, Waller, and Pitts. And I'll keep the sixth one quiet for now. But so that's impressive. As a rookie, he's doing that. So, uh, I mean, in real life football, he was actually like, oh, wow. I mean, obviously the potential is there. And you mentioned it. The touchdowns is what just totally destroyed his fantasy value. So year two, some natural progression. Um, it's, historically, it's the tough, one of the toughest positions to, to produce right away. So um, you got to be very bullish in that sense. However, you know, there are some guys there that I'm ranking him ahead of, you know, you know, right. You know, if you're going to take him above Andrews or Kelsey, you're taking a leap of faith. And there could be a quarterback situation there with Desmond Ritter taking over Mariota, a rookie for the second half that might not be ideal. But indoors, uh, team playing from behind, 
the talent there for Pitts, I mean, do not be even a tiny bit surprised if he's the number one fantasy tight end this year. Cool. I like that take. I, I also, I, I wonder if Ritter is not, I mean, we had Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan obviously has historically liked to feed his tight end. That's not anything new. We know the tight ends that come the hall of fame tight end, Tony Gonzalez has come out of Atlanta, but is Marcus Mariota something that we need to be worried about? And is it that unbelievable to think that in terms of targeting a giant athletic unicorn esque security blanket, like Kyle Pitts Ritter might be a, like, just a neutral play from, are you really anticipating that much of um, a drop down between the two? Mariota has decent yards per attempt out of his career, and he's already been there and experienced, whereas Ritter, a raw rookie who's you know going later in the draft, I actually do think I, I would be more concerned if Ritter is throwing him, him the football more. And I, I think Mariota would be perfectly fine, league averages type type QB play and um, there he should just dominate targets I like Greg London is the next guy in dynasty but man that is still arguably the weakest wide receiver core in football no running backs there I mean again they're going to be playing from behind a lot and indoors and um, yeah I, I would like the path better if Mariota starts but if they're you know it makes sense that Ritter would be the guy in the second half of the season and um, and hopefully he's competent enough but no I I, I do worry about uh, about that that aspect of, of Pitts's fantasy value for this year alone I'm just, I think I've just been more, I've been higher on Ritter than the consensus for a while. And I wanted him to land here. I agree with you though, that I think he's going to be on the feet. I think that Ritter could be a like super flex win down the stretch that he can definitely put up. And I, I just imagine this like younger, you know, younger quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks like to reach for their tight ends. And if Pitts is having this matriculation that we're anticipating that maybe there'll be a dragging of Ritter into production via Pitts. Also side note this is coming to me. I mentioned the Brian Edwards thing. Mariota was on the Raiders. Edwards was on the Raiders. Obviously Mariota wasn't the starting quarterback, and he was banged up a bunch, but uh, he did play back up to Derek Carr. Do you think that that gives Edwards any kind of bump? And do you think Edwards can go over under 49 and a half receptions for Brian Edwards? It's historically been a bad sign when teams give up on receivers at this age, but uh, don't put anything past the Raiders. So uh, I'll take the over on Edwards. Given that situation, uh, some of the highlights we've seen and uh, his competition for targets. All right. I agree with you. I, I would I would maybe say like 53, 53 catches for like 700-ish yards and five touchdowns. Does that sound reasonable? That sounds reasonable to me. I like how they're also stockpiling the other the other uh, f- favorites uh, as far as like uh, practice real highlights. Auden Tate is there as well. Uh, he used to be a, gotten some buzz in the past, but oh, I'm with them Bri- right. on Brian Edwards for sure. He's a he's a deep sleeper to take late late in drafts who uh, who who absolutely has a path to uh, to fantasy relevance. And you're going to be able to stash it because people are so over it, and because as you mentioned, it's not a good sign when a player, especially one so hyped coming out of South Carolina, that drew. I mean, I think this was a bit of a lazy comp, but he did comp to Elshon Jeffrey largely, I think, because of the school he came out of. Um, but I don't think he's necessarily a Jeffrey-esque player. I think he's more of a Brandon LaFell myself. But Brandon LaFell was a great number two in fantasy. You know, when you had him, if you look at the numbers, he may not have been an all-world athlete, but 
he was pretty he was he was pretty great plug and play player for if you could grab him back in the day. So all right, we've talked about uh the Raiders and we've talked about Kyle Pitts and we talked about George Kittle who's the next ranked uh tight end. We haven't talked about Darren Waller yet. That's a nice transition coming out of the Raiders that were leaving to the one that is staying. I we both have him as the tight end 5. Um obviously not the best in terms of health last season. He was absent from week 13 to 17. Uh, what do you think? Are you just imagining that the health was a little bit of a blip and the rebound should come into in 22? Man, we had 19 targets week one. It looked like he was going to be a league winner, especially in PPR leagues, but didn't never quite uh, lived up to those expectations over the rest of the season. And the big the big concern there is this, the addition of Devontae Adams. I mean, the target share is going to take a significant hit. So that's why, I, to me, he's behind Kelsey Pitts, Schultz, and Andrews. Uh, and right there in, a ver- in their own tier, Waller and Kittle for me in tier two. But uh, if things broke right, he's certainly capable of finishing in the tier above. And obviously we've seen him rack up the catches. But that that's the concern is, is Devontae Adams now joining um, also a target hot Hunter, Hen- Hunter Renfro there too. So so uh, that, that's just a, a mild concern for Waller, but he's going to be a rock solid, uh, you know, top six fantasy tight end. Okay. Over under six and a half targets per game average for Darren Waller. I'm going to take the under. under. Yeah, right around there. He's definitely going to take a, a, a hit with, without question. I mean, the, Devontae Adams is just commands targets yeah. and obviously they, they date back to, to, to Fresno State together. So uh, yeah, that, that is just a major, major downgrade is, is Adams joining uh, him as a, as a teammate. But to contextualize, I just like to put numbers because t- to me, when I'm reading ranks, I'm like, OK, but what does that mean in terms of statistical output? So I'll still I, say over over that many targets, uh, but but it's, it's just going to be a significant hit from what he's been used to. So under set you, you. So you feel like probably six and a half targets per game would be the realistic average for Waller. There'll be some weeks he gets double digits, some weeks he gets five. But for the most part, it'll average out to six and a half. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. All right, guys on the move. This is fun. Uh, CJ Uzoma is going from Cincinnati to the Jets. Uh, Also leaving and arriving in New York is Tyler Conklin from Minnesota. Now, I have both of these guys. I did the lazy thing and just have them ranked basically back to back with one person in between. So it wouldn't look so obvious. (laughs) I have Uzoma at 32, Conklin at 34. They're being paid similar amounts. They're clearly being added to help Zach Wilson to give him some nice red zone potential. Uh, They're both capable of it, right? Like we've both seen them flash in moments or have big games in moments um, for their respective previous teams. I don't, I'm leaning towards Uzoma, but maybe that's just because I won like a great week of DFS using him last season um and Conklin I could never really like the times he did hit I was never on him I was always like you know the week ahead of him or behind him but I also think he's almost probably the better all-around athlete from an upside point of view what do you think of these two guys and I have to imagine that you agree they're you know both being on the team kind of cancels out their respective fantasy value 
Yeah, I think I did add Uzoma, number 30th tight end, but I don't want either of these guys. There's Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, and Braxton Berrios receivers from Zach Wilson, who's a big, gigantic unknown, and that's being kind. Uh, I'm not actually very optimistic about Zach Wilson. So with, with those four receivers and um, and the question marks at quarterback, uh, that's a stale. And and the fact that, yeah, you said they cancel each other out. So a competition uh, there at tight end. So yeah, the, the tight end position is not one I'm targeting uh, on the Jets. I'm interested to see, this is a, a like a training camp battle that I'm going to watch. Like who has more chemistry, what, what unfolds. I do think that at some point, you know, probably what, like after the first week of October, sometime maybe even after Halloween, we will be, Andy, we'll be talking about either slash both of these guys as waiver wire targets when people are inevitably streaming the position. You know, once injuries and buys start to ramp up because it would not surprise me if either, again, or slash both of them have a a giant pop-up game. But the question is going to be, anticipating when those are going to happen. Give me Mo Alley-Cox as a sleeper now with Matt Ryan throwing to him. No Jack Doyle. You just said Ryan loves his tight ends, a a very thin wide receiver core in Indy. So yeah, give me Mo Alley-Cox as my sleeper over either of those Jets guys. All right. That's a, that's a fair point. That's a totally fair point. And you know, I believe they added a, the Colts added the rookie that Eric Edholm was Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods, yes, yeah. that Eric Edelman was yeah. thrilled about. But again, we just talked yeah. about rookie tight ends. If Kyle Pitts couldn't do it, yeah, I think yeah, Jelani no, yeah. There's the, him, and there's Jake Ferguson's getting some buzz in Dallas with my guy uh, Schultz, and in Denver too. And I love Alberto, which oh, we're going to talk yeah. about soon. And uh, Greg Dulcich is get, gets. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but he's he's getting some buzz too. But if Kyle Pitts can't, you know, I mean, it's such a tough position at rookies. So I I would pump the brakes on those, and and I'm still targeting all those guys uh, ahead, the veterans ahead of them. I like Mo Alleycox, though. I think I, I don't know where I have him right now in my rankings, but I'll have to bump him up. I, I hope I have him inside my top 30. I should. Uh, Gerald Everett, he was a guy I was excited about as he moved to Seattle along with Shane Waldron from the Rams. He's coming back to L.A., but not with the Rams, with the Chargers this time. Signed a two-year, $12 million contract with $8 million reportedly guaranteed. What do you think about him in the Chargers? You know, there's no Jared Cook, but the Chargers beat reporter Lindsay Theory points out that 20% of Donald Parham's career receptions have gone for scores. And obviously the really horrible hit that was on primetime affected the trajectory of his year last year. Austin talked about him as a potential sleeper last year. Do you think that Everett could leapfrog him it's an interesting or, or is this just sort of like a veteran presence because parm hasn't had frankly enough reps i moved him in my top 25 everett um with no jared cook there justin herbert throwing him the ball yeah he's on the fantasy radar but parm uh, is is there as well lingering and has quite a bit of upside himself so if, ideally one of the two emerges is the the clear guy with, with herbert throwing him the ball but um yeah as is more of a wait and see flyer type approach but everett's definitely on the radar uh now the chargers tight end one and with no jared cook there We both have him inside of our top 25, so we're on the same page. I have him 22, you have him 24. So again, same page. Noah Fant uh, leaving Denver, heading to Seattle to ostensibly replace Gerald Everett. Um, I have him him at 17, you have him at 18. I, I mean, I hope Andy's not listening because I feel like we've all been waiting for the Noah Fant breakout, and yet it still hasn't happened. Yeah, two receivers are to command targets and Drew Locke, uh, likely his quarterback. So well, that's, that's been the case, though. 
That's just the, I, I know, and he hasn't been he hasn't been producing either. So yeah. that's the, been the case. So yeah, I I'm way higher on Albert O going going to Denver uh, back to Denver with Russell Wilson throwing him the ball and, and Noah Fant. Uh, yeah, I have about ten spots lower. A hundred percent. I will say leaning in Fant's favor. Um, number of red zone targets, like in 2020, he had. 12 red zone targets, which was tight end 16. And I was like, wow, you have this touchdown machine. I mean, he was a touchdown absolute machine at Iowa. And then you don't use him in the red area of the field. That seems bananas to me. Last year, that number went up from 12 to 16. There was an additional week added to the schedule, obviously. But for what it was worth ranking within the position, that was the tight end eight for the position. So at least there's been, it's not been as high as I would like it to be, but a upward trajectory for Fant being used at the part of the field in which he is the most effective. It's going to be tough though when Penny's scoring all of the touchdowns for Seattle. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, I know he's here got some go. um, upside and some nice workout metrics for sure. And Drew Locke, for all his faults, like in fantasy terms, he's always ranks high in aggressiveness. So, like he does yeah. throw the ball down the field. Who cares if he throws picks for fantasy managers? I mean, it helps Seattle win football games, but I don't know. It's possible if you squint, you're just like, hopefully he just targets Lockett, Metcalf, and Fant, you know, uh, with a narrow tree. And, and and facing the Niners, Cardinals, and Rams, theoretically, they're going to be having to throw the ball in a lot of second halves. So, you know, if you you, you, you could talk yourself into it. Not for nothing, um, Fant and Locke will host the Denver Broncos in week one That's of the great. 2022 yeah. Love season. The schedule I mean, that's the ultimate yeah. revenge game. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if Fant starts hot, frankly, as Locke continues to develop rapport with, I mean, you, I already imagine, can you imagine the like, temper tantrums that will be warranted but will that D- dk metcalf is gonna have when like Locke just isn't honing in on him or the chemistry oh, yeah. isn't there it's gonna be fantastic but i do think that that might at least for the top of the season work in fans favor so wouldn't surprise me if he starts hot uh, especially with that revenge game on tap week one hayden hurst left atlanta moved to cincinnati replacing cj uzoma uh i have him as my tight end 30 you know, I, obviously it's a, where, where, where are you putting him? Obviously it's a crowded pass catching there. There's a lot of pass catchers, a lot of dynamic pass catchers in Cincinnati. So I think that this is, and, and Hayden Hurst is not necessarily the most like athletically dominant. The exercise for this pod made me upgrade, uh, update my ranks from 25 to 35 better. Cause yes, I admit, yes, Hurst is now the, the number one guy in Cincinnati, moved him into my 27th spot right behind okay. Austin Hooper. So yeah, he's, he's on, on the scene. Joe Burrow practicing now without that knee brace. Um, so yeah, nice situation there, but um, yeah, maybe Drew Sample will, 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 will share some time there. And obviously he's behind Chase Higgins and Boyd. You mentioned Austin Hooper. He goes from the Browns to the Titans. You have him 26, I believe. I have him 25. Uh, I mean, again, we're just throwing darts here, right? Such a weak receiver core without A.J. Brown there. And uh, Burke's even struggling with his breathing in the first practice. So Hooper, you know, it's possible he, he sees a career high in targets. But We've not, not a ton it. of upside here. Yeah. I mean, we, ha- we have seen Hooper for fantasy purposes deliver. So there is a possibility there. So I think, I think we're on this, this position. If Rob Gronkowski again was the tight end five last year and he only caught 55 balls and scored six touchdowns, like the bar is, is in, the bar moves inter in an interesting way. So would Hooper, I don't know. I think Hooper is intriguing though. Like I, I, I want to, 
I don't know if there's we, he's definitely a veteran. We've seen him do it before. I might maybe I'll move him up a little bit more now that I'm thinking about it. Like you talked about this exercise. Would Hooper be that different than Noah Fant if we removed the like athleticism piece of it away? Like, is it crazy to think that Austin Hooper wouldn't end up with a similar stat line to Fant? Yeah, you could argue Tannehill's a much better quarterback. Robert Woods is recovering from uh, ACL uh, surgery. So I mean, there could be truly a lot of targets there for Hooper, a thin tight end group there in Tennessee. Who knows? Derrick Henry recovering, recovering from that surgery. So they're uh, they're probably going to have to pass more than they would like, too. So, uh, yeah, Austin Hooper, I'll buy as a fantasy tight end sleeper. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it now. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump up. See, you guys, as you're listening and learning, we, too, are working it out ourselves. Don't forget about some of these other guys. Herb Smith. Uh, Dalton, you're high on him. Tight end 13. Why do you like him more than than Noah Fant? Because there's no Tyler Conklin? Oh, yeah. And I loved him entering last year before he suffered the injury. I mean, five touchdowns his sophomore year. A lot of buzz. He was going to break out in year number three. There's a big upgrade in offensive coaching in Minnesota. Uh, usually a narrow tree that Cousins likes dumping it off in the, in the red zone to his uh, tight end. So I think Irv Smith is not going to be among the league leaders in 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 yardage but easily could easily get double digit touchdowns i, I they're going analytics uh vikings uh, i think that team's going to win the division this season oh, i agree with you they're going to win the division i don't think that's a hot take i went on another pod and they were stunned that i said that well, kevin o'connell is certainly coming from the mcveigh tree is going to want to establish a more up-tempo inverse of an establish the run Mike Zimmer approach so there should be more options available I'm probably not high enough on Smith I wanted to see how the injury situation washed out but uh, maybe I'd put him tight end 15 I don't know yet if I want to put him inside the top 15 but I'm with you on that we're both on the same page for Zach Ertz I have him 11 you have him 10 after his breakout year, I guess you could say, in Arizona, particularly with New Hopkins not being available at the top of the season. Um, it is interesting to note that the Cardinals drafted Trey McBride. I have him ranked uh, tight end 35. Again, rookie tight end. We don't need to continue to have the same conversation, but he might be the only rookie tight end threatening to be fantasy relevant as he's playing behind Ertz, and Ertz is a man of a certain age. Also, congratulations to he and his wife who are expecting their first child. That's exciting. And uh, but I but I think Ertz is definitely the guy for the time being. Yes. Oh yeah, he was targeted like crazy down the stretch, and you said Hopkins out the first six games. Uh, McBride's more of a successor because Ertz is 31 years old. But um, yeah, we keep saying it's tough to to make much of an impact right away as a rookie. Uh, he would be the one, but uh, I, I I comfortably would treat Ertz as a boring veteran, but especially in full PPR. I mean, he's a he's a top 10 guy. Well, if you thought that Dalton's Herb Smith take was hot, listen to his David Njoku take. Tight end 12. Just a few spots behind Zach Ertz. I'm guessing it's because of the upgrade in quarterback in Cleveland. Yeah, it just comes. Well, yeah, and there's there's more targets should be there with a the thinner uh, tight end group there. And hopefully he doesn't split the reps as much as he has last couple of years. Deshaun, this is just as tight as Sean Watson. Um, hopefully we'll get some clarity on if he's suspended or not. But if he's not... Um, and Joke is going way too late in drafts as the number one tight end. And the only what, the receivers there are Amari Cooper and you know David Bell and Donovan Peoples Jones. Uh, so I'm I'm in an Njoku, and I think come August, especially if Watson is is playing a full season, he'll be probably consensus top fifteen uh, treated as a top fifteen type guy. On the move, Albert O. Also, someone we're both high on. Alberto produced last year regularly. I mean, this is also a player 
my friend Jennifer Aikens talks about all the time. She is a Denver local. Broncos Nation is very high on Albert O. And without Noah Fant available, he is the number one tight end. Now, you've also got Russell Wilson throwing him the ball. And that's a huge upgrade, right? And there's some questions about whether or not Cortland Sutton can stay healthy. There are some questions about, you know, Jerry Judy got into a little bit of legal trouble. So it wouldn't surprise me if one of those guys was out or unavailable. Obviously, Albert O's targets are going to go up. But also with them on the field, like he's such an incredible red zone option. I love him. So he is the sixth tight end that's averaged over two yards per route run since the start of 2020. The other five are all uh, look like stars. But it's not just, uh, yes, the volume hasn't been there, but the targets per route run is elite too, 28%. So he earns the targets and he's been highly productive with them. And now he gets a gigantic upgrade at quarterback. There's no Noah Fant there. So increased volume, increased situ better situation. And he looks like a talent to be a legit, legit real life player. So yeah, I ranked him just right behind those obvious six, you know, the Kittle Waller and the big four, as I say. And, and then it could, is this just, you, you like Hawkinson, Ertz is safer, Dawson Knox, whatever. It's a big group there. And to me, Albert O has as much upside as any of them so uh and the fact that russell wilson refused refused to uh to run these days this is going to be passing and he is always perennially with tom brady as among the league leaders in end zone targets and that is just huge for fantasy receivers so give me all the alberto i i'm 100 i mean i i imagine he is going to be the he is going to be present on every single sleepers article heading into this summer though maybe you know austin hooper and david njoku should sneak their way onto some of those articles and Maybe I'm make, making a few notes for myself so that when Jason Klobaka, our, uh, our boss, says, what are you writing about? I'll already have three names ready for July. Um, all right. Last guy I want to talk about, Logan Thomas. Uh, obviously, he's a bit of a mystery because he tore his ACL in week 13, but he was crushing for a minute there in Washington for the commanders. Ricky Seals-Jones now going to the division rival Giants. So it would be... a believable to imagine Logan Thomas returning um, if he were healthy to a decent situation. Carson Wentz being the asterisk, of course, of the decent situation. Although I'm going to keep harping on this point. Like, I don't think Carson Wentz is that much, is a downgrade from Tyler Heineke. So I think I have Thomas is a few spots lower than you just for the injury clarity. I'm just waiting for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a good player. And if he if he's healthy and he's back, I'll move him up five more spots to you. And he's a you know, borderline top 15 type guy in that in that in that big tier circling back. I just, one more final thing to say about my guy, Alberto. Um, I guess uh, Mario Puig, who I respect as a, as a college watcher, he said that Greg Dulcich got, he, he put up uh, big numbers in a UCLA program that also saw Aziaza and Caleb Wilson post big numbers as well. So he's coming from a system that artificially inflates, I guess, numbers for those tight ends. Bottom line, I'm not worried about that rookie tight end taking any, any of, of Alberto's uh, targets in year one for in Denver. Okay. That sounds good. Of these guys, Let's put a button on it because we talked about a lot of names. I mean, talked about Logan Thomas, there's injury issues. We we talked about um, Hayden Hurst. There's just general malaise because there are so many dynamic pass catchers ahead of him. We talked about Gerald Everett, Parham's there. Of, we talked about Uzoma and Conklin who cancel each other out. Of the guys on the move and the don't forget about these other dudes options. I'm going to list them all for you and our listeners right away. Give me your top three who could surprise and end up inside the top 12 at the position for fantasy. Uzoma, Conklin, Everett, Fant, Hurst, Hooper, Smith, 
Njoku, Albert O, Logan Thomas. Yeah, it's Albert O, Njoku, and Irv Smith for me. And I'm going to say, throw you a super deep sleeper that we didn't talk about, Brevin Jordan in Houston. You love I him. Am, I love I, him. I'm in on Davis Mills, man. I really yes. am. And I, I would not be surprised if he, if he emer- oh, I shouldn't say that with my guy Lance behind me. He could be the best rookie, <laughs> end up being the best rookie of, of that group among the QBs. And I like Brevin Jordan to emerge there at, at tight end in the Texan squad that's wide open for targets. Your friend, me, wrote plenty of Brevin Jordan articles in 2021. I have been on the bandwagon waiting for it to happen. Injuries and just general um, incompetence, organizational incompetence, I guess I could say, kind of prevented him from really uh, breaking out last year. He's also young, right? But I, I agree with you. Brevin Jordan, I love that name. That's a fantastic way to end this early peach season episode. You can follow me on Twitter for more of these types of takes at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Andy and Matt Harmon will be back early next week with their five most interesting teams for fantasy. Until then, we're out.